for any one of you who have confessed your faith in Christ, who believe in Christ and have accepted, yeah, you can have a seat if you want for a moment, but not for very long. But if you are a believer in Christ, you are welcome to partake with us. Uh, however, um, it's, it is worth reviewing. We, in our small group, we were studying through Luke 3, and um, John the Baptist, you remember, he was the predecessor to Jesus. And John has this message, and it spoke of him. It says, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. The rough ways smooth. And all mankind will see God's salvation. So John's message was, get ready. Prepare yourself. Because somebody pretty awesome is about to come. And so what was this? You know, practically, he even gave them practical instructions. To the Pharisees, he said, he said, don't think that because you're children of Abraham, you're in. God can make stones and turn them into children of Abraham. Or for the soldiers, the soldiers, he said, hey, stop. And they were saying, what can we do? And he's saying, the way you're preparing is you stop extorting from people. Or you falsely arrest them or falsely accuse them to manipulate them. Or for the tax collectors trying to take money out of them. So anything you would to use people or anything that it was, you know, sin, essentially. And John was saying, prepare. And in the same way, we have a similar warning or reminder when we come to the scriptures or to communion. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, one should examine themselves before they come to the table, before the, the blood and the bread. We should examine, just as John was calling them to repentance and to prepare for God's coming in Jesus Christ, God's here, and as you're walking up to that table, you need to prepare yourself because God's here. <laughs> so I encourage you, as we go into this next worship song, and as, we, as you come up to take a, a, a cup and a bread, um, first examine yourself. If you have ought against somebody, like you've got an issue with somebody, this may not be the day. We'll be doing this next month, so you'll have a chance then. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay to, to stay at your seat. Or you just have something that you haven't confessed to the Lord. You confess to them now. Confess to him now about it. But we must prepare ourselves to receive God's gift. Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would humble ourselves and receive you as we prepare for communion. Let's continue to worship. Humbly I stand
to you. Lord, we welcome you in this wonderful ritual full of meaning and depth. We receive you. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body. You broke it for us. Let's partake of the bread together. So the cup, he took that up. He said, this is for you as well. He's given his whole self to us. Jesus, we receive your sacrifice. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord. Let's continue to worship here in the next few songs. Thank you. 
specifically to reveal himself to us, to teach us, and to comfort us. The Spirit of God is here. And my friends, it's easy to just pass that over and just say, I've heard that before. That sounds familiar. I've grown up in the church. But I encourage you to press in to believe, to press, press into the reality, the present presence of God. Lord Jesus, we receive you here. We receive you. And Lord, there are times where we feel not worthy or we've got a big problem. We can't, we're stressed. But Lord, we invite you in at those moments. We invite you in. Because you are so peace. You are so whole. You are so abundant. You're so loving and life-giving. It changes everything. Lord, I pray for each one of us that in, during this week we would receive you continually, daily. And I thank you for the work you're doing in each of our lives. What great things we have to hope and expect. We have not yet seen the goodness that will be revealed in people's lives here today. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. All right, kids, stick around. We'll be uh, passing over to Pastor Glenn. We have a dedication. Can we move this, David? All right. All right, you can be seated. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming out on this Labor Day weekend. I know a lot of people are traveling. I want to welcome our live uh, audience um, watching live stream and uh, just uh, welcome everybody here. We're going to dedicate one of our babies. Isn't this awesome? How many of you love that? That's very, very cool. It's a big part of our lives and this church um, to when babies are born to dedicate them unto the Lord. And today we're going to dedicate little Cora. Why don't you come on up, Frankie, um, and Dan, of course, he's already up here. Where are you at? Oh, he, he's making a circle, okay. All righty, Dan and Frankie um, and Cora. Uh, any family members that you have here, they're welcome to join you. Um, come on up. Uh, so some of you have never made the connection. Um, some of you for today, for the first time ever, the lights are going on in Georgia, right? Uh, so, uh, so Dan um, is the son, the firstborn, right? The firstborn of the Durams, okay? So, yeah, so they're the son. I, don't, I know some of you this morning are saying, I never knew that. Um, and, of course, Sam and Jennifer have been very close to Vicki and I since a couple of what, months after we moved to town? No, f from, from when we moved to town, yeah. For, like, right away we connected with them and we've had a great friendship and God's blessed our relationship, and uh, even though they're in Malaysia now and come back from time to time, uh, they were still connected in heart, very close. And so um, it's a joy for me. Um, I've watched this guy grow up. I've watched these guys develop their relationship in marriage. 
um, and be a part of our small group. And uh, now I've seen the offspring, <laughs> the product of our classes. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah. Um, and so uh, today we want to dedicate Little Core. I'm going to ask the, any of the pastoral team members that are here to join me. Um, I know many of them are out traveling for the weekend, but any of you are, that are here, come on up. And uh, I'm going to ask um, the congregation, if you would, the family, um, to stand, okay, as we do this together. So I've been praying and asking the Lord um, about this little precious, wonderful, beautiful, <laughs> cute, and cuddly yeah. Cora, right? So, um, yeah, so she um, is about ready to turn one mm -hmm. coming up here. And uh, so I was thinking about, you know, what God has in, in, in store for her. And the three words that came to me was creative, mm. magnetic, mm. and determined. Yes. Totally. Okay? Totally. Come on. That's right. Wow. And so this, this is the sense that I had. Cora will be extremely creative with the gifts that she's been given. She will possess, hey, uh, my wife, Vicki, you're, you're making, I'm trying to read this. Okay, yeah, I know she's sweet. I'm gonna hold her up for everybody to see in just a minute. Um, so let me start over so everybody can hear, including mom and dad and my wife. Cora will be extremely creative with the gifts she's been given. She will possess a magnetic personality that will allow her to connect with people and make a great impact for the kingdom of heaven. And her determination will help her excel in life and whatever she puts her heart to do. Okay? Does that sound right? Sounds great. That's the Holy Spirit, just so you know. Okay? So uh, let me hold this up. Or her up. Uh, this up. I wanted you to take this and I could hold her. All right, check this out. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. What do you think? Huh? What do you? Oh, you're looking me, checking me out. <laughs> she says, no, I want to stay with him. Uh, so um, here's the deal. You guys have been around. You've seen this happen. And so um, this, is, this is more than just what's going to happen to her. Uh, baby dedication is kind of a, um, it's an opportunity for you publicly to thank God for this precious gift. Okay. to thank him publicly. Second, it's a chance to publicly declare your intentions to raise her um, in a Christian home with Christian principles, right? It's a benchmark that you can return and say, Cora, you belong to the Lord. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You belong to the Lord. And it's a family dedication where you can actually, as parents, dedicate yourselves to the Lord um, to say, I'm, I'm all in with her. And we're going to do everything on our power to be good examples for her, right? And uh, the Bible says if we'll train up a child in the way she should go, that when she's old, she'll say, I want, I want some of this. I want, I want this for the rest of my life, okay? So I have a challenge for you guys. Um, and that is, Frankie and Dan, will you always strive to love, to protect, to nurture, to train, to instruct? And to be an example to core all the days of your life. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have biblical precedence for this. We see it in the Old Testament. Hannah prayed for a child, and God blessed her, right? And then she said, for all his days, he will be his, right? Gave him back to the Lord. 
And from that prayer, we know that God granted that wonderful child favor and influence. And that's what we're going to pray for Cora, that God would grant her favor and influence. And so let's just all stretch out our hands and pray here, okay? And trust the Lord together for a little Cora that God would indeed put his hand of blessing upon her and God would use her mightily. Father, thank you for this precious gift. Thank you, God, for blessing Frankie and Dan with Cora. <laughs> she's so amazing. She's cute. She's cuddly. She's beautiful. Um, she brings such great joy to their hearts, I know. And God, I pray that that will continue all the days of her life. Amen. Father, that you'd place your hand of blessing and protection upon her, that you would keep her from the evil desires of the flesh that you would help her say no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness, Amen. that you would put your anointing upon her yes. and allow her to experience you in every dimension of her life, all the days of her life. Amen. Father, we love you and thank you for Dan and Frankie for their commitment to raise little Cora up in the, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, God. I pray that you would equip them God, there's a special grace, and I believe a special anointing mm. that goes along with parenting mm. that enables them to tap into something beyond themselves. Amen. And God, I pray right now that your blessing would rest upon them and that they would have the wisdom from heaven to raise this child up in the way she should go. And we pray, Father, for all the extended family, their church family, that, God, we would do all that we can to help and to be there and to support this family as they raise little Cora. We commit them to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, would you do me a favor and just turn and greet someone and say, hey, what's up? Glad to see you. And you can be seated. I'm captivated. Say it. I'm on a whole new retreat. My state's invaded, upgraded. I hear you talking to me. It's in the boom of the thunder, it's in the cool of the rain. And I'll say, I don't ever want to get away. Tonight is beautiful, it's got my mind on you. And everywhere I turn is a reminder. Okay, everyone. Oh, don't stop the music. It's time to dance. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you on this Labor Day weekend. So good to have our online visitors and friends and family also. Thank you for spending your Labor Day weekend Sunday with us. And like David said earlier, God is definitely here. It's been awesome. 
Wherever we are, he is there with us, isn't he? All right, pay attention now. We're not going to have prayer tonight because it is Labor Day weekend. So we will see you all again for prayer next, the first Sunday of October. We'll give you more uh, instructions as the time draws near. You can also pray at home tonight if you remember it. Um, we need you to update your information, your contact information, and there's a sheet for that in the bulletin. And that would be great if you could uh, update your email, phone numbers, addresses, and all of that. There's a lot of um, moving going on since school is starting pretty soon, already has for some fun. All right, add anything else? We also um, have an envelope in here for you. We also have other ways for you to give as well. And you will see that on the bulletin and also on the screen. Thank you so much for being here with us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. It's going to be a good one for sure. Good morning. I'm Jordan. I'm part of the pastoral team. I have a half assistant on the side of me. <laughs> um, so I've said this kind of before. We're, we're going to pray for church today. So th this part of the service leading into the message, we, we want to honor and we want to bless and we want to pray for other churches in the area because other churches can do things that we here at MBC as members can't do in certain parts of the area. Right? They have a sphere of influence that is outside of our sphere of influence. And uh, I'm reminded, as my little girl and as we just did the, uh, the family, the baby dedication, that family, right, we have different roles and different responsibilities in our family, but we all accomplish the greater good, right, of training up children in the way they should go and, and honoring one another and helping one another, right? And so that's the whole idea of praying for another church is that we are family. We are part of the same family, right, the family of God. And so that's why we, as NBC, pray for other churches is because we know, like I said before, that we can't do what they can do, but we want to make sure that we support them. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for another church this morning. We're going to pray for Springs of Hope Fellowship, Pastor Jeff King. Uh, they're a little close uh, it, to our heart and to our family in more ways than just the body of Christ, right? Uh, Pastor Judah on the worship team is Jeff's uh, son, and I, we have family as well over there, and there's a lot of uh, ties to that church. And so we want to pray that Pastor Jeff and his family specifically uh, would be healthy, would be filled with the Spirit so that he can lead and their family can lead that church in their community, and then they, the church, would be able to reach out to others. So let's pray for Pastor Jeff and, and their church, Springs of Hope. Father God, thank you so much that you have called us all, whether or not we are here in this church or are spread across this greater Madison area, to share the gospel and the love of Jesus. And we thank you so much for Springs of Hope Fellowship and the mission that you've called them to and the people that are in their church every Sunday morning and then through the week. Father God, we pray specifically for Pastor Jeff, for his health, for his family's health, for their finances, for their um, spiritual, emotional, mental well-being, that they would be full of you so that they could be overflowing to their congregation and then to their sphere of influence around their area. Would you bless everyone that walks into that church this morning and through the week so that they can bring the love of Christ to everyone that they touch on a daily basis. In your name we pray, amen.
Thanks, Jordan. Uh, so, what a, a great little segue into what I was going to say. Uh, last week, I started a series called Family Life. Uh, we were on the rooftop last Sunday. Um, it was a fun time for those of you that missed it. Uh, we'll do that again next year. It was a, it was a nice little event um, that was just awesome to be up on the roof and praying for the, the city of Madison, where we could see the Capitol and so on. So, um, But I started a, a series. I'm going to just talk probably for the next three or four weeks called Family Life. Last week I talked about raising kids um, and the game of golf and some of the comparisons that happen. And um, my notes from last week should be on the information center if you're interested in that. Um, and so uh, just a little handout that I, I put together for myself. I didn't have it for everybody else. So if you want to grab that, you can do that. Um, and uh, next week I'm going to talk a little bit about marriage and relationships. So to, if you're single, you may be sitting here saying, well, I don't need to come next week because I'm not married. Listen, most of you, if you're not, plan to be. Um, and even if you don't plan to be, know somebody that is, right? And also have relationships. And all of, this, all of these principles that I talk about are transferable. And they apply to every area of life and every relationship. So um, I want to encourage you to be here for these talks. Starting next Sunday, I'll, I'll just sort of dive into some of the things that God has taught Vicki and I over the last 40, really 45 years, we've been married 43, um, that has helped us survive, not only survive, but thrive through the storms of life you know, when it comes to this thing called marriage. <laughs> so uh, we'll do that next week. I really want to invite you, and those of you that are watching live stream can join us as well. If you're able, please come join us physically too. We'd love to hug your necks and see your face. So today I thought, you know, Sam's in town, hmm, put two and two together, came up with four, and said, why don't we just have Sam speak to us and give a good word for Metro Believers Church, amen? So let's welcome him as he comes to share the word that God's put in his heart. Come on, brother. <laughs> Love you, my friend. You got a mic on? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, this is on. I am so delighted to be back again amongst friends. And sometimes being amongst friends, they tell you the truth. Even if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> and this friend has spoken a lot of truth into my life, even though I didn't want to hear there was truth. So... I really appreciate it. That's what makes him a good friend. And I've enjoyed that friendship. And ever since we met, it's been growing. So I hope you have a friend somewhere that can tell you the truth. Because every time we have friends, but they are, you know, they're just so affirming. And in that aff affirming, you do a disservice by not telling the truth. So uh, he has done so much for me and corrected my ways, and I'm still in that process uh, of doing it. Thank you, Glenn, for being such a friend. Thank you, Wiki, for being so 
so good to us, Jennifer and I. The last time I was here, which was about 20 years ago, uh, I, and I spoke on, this is how I fight my battle. And I think Glenn didn't like that so much, so he called me back to make that right again. <laughs> so I'm going to speak about uh, the continuation of that. Uh, <laughs> he's got my notes right there. He's going to correct me now. <laughs> uh, the continuation of that is... I'm going to ask you a few obvious questions. I mean, it's not a trick question. It's easy answers. How many of you know that when you are in a battle that God gives you strategies? You can say it. It's okay. We have family here. You, can, you know, I notice some of you can yell at each other at home, but here you don't even want to respond. <laughs> How many of you know that God gives us strategies? How many of you know that the enemy hears of those strategies? Yes? This you may not know. Do you know that the enemy can use the same very strategies against you? Did you know that? Because the enemy hears what God has told you how to fight battles. And la the last time I was here, we talked about four positioning postures, but that's, I'm not going back to the last message. But here, there's some strategies that God gives. And when we go about it, the enemy turns around and uses the same strategy back on us. And we are not aware, and that's why sometimes we succumb to those very strategies. Once we know it's God's strategies, but we are not aware that the enemy is also working double time, trying to trip us down. So to give you a good context of this, I want to turn to 2 Kings chapter 3. And it is such a fascinating chapter. If you would give me permission, I would just give you a little overview and then land on the very scripture that I want to talk about this morning. Is that okay with you? Uh, you can go home and read that passage, and you will find out that I haven't departed very much from the passage. I'll just give you a little uh, what they call the exegesis or the uh, context of that. Here in Second Kings chapter 3, we are... Uh, we are uh, introduced to a situation where the king uh, uh, Ahab, the king of Israel, dies, and there is a new king. And there was a treaty between that old king who passed away with the king of Moabite. Now, all these are just names, but the king of Moabite had agreed to pay tribute to the king of Israel. And the tribute was, it was an expensive tribute. Every year, uh, that king had to come up with 100,000 lambs to give to the king of Israel. And on top of that, another 100,000 wool of the ram. That was a huge economy in those days. It was a very 
big tribute to pay every year. Now that the king died, that king Moab says, I'm not going to do this anymore. That was, that was it. That was with the previous king. I'm not going to continue. But the reality is that agreement was to Israel, not to the king. Is somebody listening to me? And so what had happened is when this new king comes into place, ascends the throne, he's thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose a lot of money here. How many of you feel bad when you lose money? Um, uh, even $5 if I lose, us missionaries, $5 is like $5,000. And that's a lot of money for us. And so in that process, this king of Israel goes to two other kings who are, are also in alignment, are also kings uh, who were good kings, say good king. And those two kings... And one of them was King Jehoshaphat. How many of you have heard of Jehoshaphat? Yes, we have heard that's because of the last time I met, uh, I talked about this is how I uh, fight my battle. I used Jehoshaphat as our backdrop. So here, these three kings, they said, okay, uh, your cause is good, so let's go fight uh, this king, uh, Moab, and so that you would get back all your tribute, that what they owe you. That was a good thing that they came together. And King Jehoshaphat uh, knew the cause was good, so he overcommits himself. And he says, my horses are your horses, my people are your people, my army is your army. And so, okay, let's go. The only thing that Jehoshaphat made a mistake was that he didn't inquire which way or what strategies to use to defeat King Moab. So he yielded to the wisdom of the other two kings who wanted to go and attack King Moab and took the short route, a shortcut. How many of you make a lot of shortcuts to save gas? You know, we, instead of going all the way around, we just take a shortcut. Sometimes shortcuts work for you. But in this case, they took the shortcut. And uh, in those days... Uh, to feed the army, they took their rations with them. Is somebody listening with me? Listening to me. The rations in this case was taking cattle, taking food. The food went with them. And they come, and they, while taking the shortcut, they come into a desert area. And they're so far into it that they now have no water. So now it is too late for them to return because they will definitely die. They're stuck in a place where there is uh, no, point of, uh, no point of return. They're committed. How many of you have made some decisions that have come into a place where you're stuck there, and you can't go back because it's too late? How many of you know when it's too late? Yeah, some people think it's too late when they're already married and thinking, I shouldn't have married this girl, or I shouldn't have married that guy. It's too late. You're already in it. Are you with me? Next week, Pastor is going to talk about family, and you will hear some principles of how to convert the too late into thrive, as he said. Are you with me? But you have to listen to the voice of the Lord and the word of the Lord, how that can be reversed. So, so now they're too late, 
and they're there, no water, and they can't go any further because the cattle need water. Too much of slaughter will mean there's no more food after that. There's no more grain left after that. And so they're stuck. And at that moment, Jehoshaphat suddenly comes to a realization and said, oh my goodness, I should have asked first, why did we take this route? So he asks for someone to come and play music for him. And so the, they bring a harpist. Can you imagine having a harpist in a battle situation? I mean, going in that. How did he know that there would be a need for that? Harpist, if I would translate it, if you would give me permission in contemporary terms, is bringing worship back. In your season where you feel you're stuck and a point of no return, in a season where you're in confusion or lack of understanding, where you come to a place where you need some insight and then you're going to Dr. Phil to give you some insight. How many of you know Dr. Phil is a very smart man? He is, but he is not God. Is somebody listening to me? So what we do, the natural tendency for you and I is to go to someone who has wisdom. But the reality is we have to go back to worship. Because worship puts you, as the book of Ephesians says, in, puts you seated in the heavenly places with God so that when you are in the heavenly places, you can have a heavenly perspective of the stupid earthly problem. So the reality here is whenever we are stuck, the first thing that we need to do is get our hearts set back to worship. So that you can have a heavenly perspective of an earthly problem. Only worship can accelerate you to that place. Nothing else. No hype and no Pentecostal. I'm a diehard Pentecostal. I can do all of that stuff. All of that, will, I mean, may help me, but the, the reality is worship. When we lose worship, it's not even about having a CD playing or asking Alexa to play some worship music. That doesn't do it. The worship is you personally engaging in worship. Is somebody listening to me? I mean, today we have become so instant in everything. Um, we want instant gratification. And worship is, it takes work to actually apply yourself I'm actually wearing hearing aid because I have had hearing loss. That's why I didn't have this uh, contraption that he has. And while I was going through the test and when they were fitting me with this, they said the technology has become so good, you can fix that in your iPhone and drown the sounds around you and have just the sound in front of you. Like if you're in a, a big a restaurant, loud restaurant, and my middle ear, which is 53% uh, loss, I cannot hear the person in sitting in front of me. I have to look at their lips just to make out what words they're saying. And sometimes you 
Americans have strange accents uh, that I think one word to another and I miss it. So, is somebody listening to me? So sometimes we mishear. And what worship does, it drowns the sounds around you and puts you in a place where you can hear the voice of God. Is somebody listening to me? And we, worship is such an easy thing, and yet that's the least practiced thing in our season of difficulty. Is somebody listening to me? That's why we need to go back to worship. Nothing else can substitute that. That is why the harpist came to bring Jehoshaphat to a place of worship. Say worship. What does worship mean to you and me? That's another sermon. If he has grace to invite me again, I'll speak on that. But right now, we'll sh uh, come back and stay with the new strategies. So when the harpist comes and starts playing, then Jehoshaphat gets into a place where he says the right thing. He says, is there a prophet amongst us. He didn't ask, is there Dr. Phil amongst us? He didn't say, if there's Oprah with us. He didn't say, is Dr. Uh, I was going to say Dr. Glenn, uh, Pastor Glenn with us. He didn't say all of that. They're all good people. Say good people. I'm not minimizing them at all. I, in fact, have been blessed by these people. Is somebody listening to me? Even though they're not Christians. How many of you know that non-Christians have some better intelligence some, than some Christians do? Hello. Only two people agree with me. The rest of you are not sure. You want to be politically correct, so you kept quiet. <laughs> Nevertheless, here we are very quickly. Say quickly, Sam. I like the pressure. So every once in a while you're thinking I'm diverting. Say quickly, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so here he says, is there any prophet amongst us? Why? Because he wanted to hear the word of the Lord. Not a prophet that would come and give a little stroke behind. Today what we have as prophets, oh, I see gold nuggets behind you. That means you are going through a season of dryness. And God is going to give you gold nuggets. And you say, oh, thank you, Lord. More, God, more. And then you go home disappointed because those nuggets never appear. What kind of word do you want? Do you want a word that is deep, right, and without for you to feel offended by the word of God? Do you know, however you look at the word of God, any which way you cut it, it is offensive. It is 100% offensive to you and me. For those who do not want to be discipled. For those who do not want to walk the walk of God. The walk of Jesus. So today, I am bringing a message that might be offensive. But hear me out before you dismiss me. And that is to say, when the word of God comes, are you willing to pay attention to the word of God? 
And so this is what happens in, in this whole scenario in Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, Second Kings chapter 3. And so, yeah, they said, we know one guy. And they bring Elisha. Can you imagine Elisha going incognito with this army? He must have known something. I mean, who would have thought a prophet would go with an army like that? And so he's there, and they bring him um, to the king. Actually, in another version, it says the kings went to the prophet. But whichever version you read, they met. And there, Elisha looks at these three kings and they said, he says this very harsh thing. I wouldn't, this is the exact words he's saying. I wouldn't even look at you guys except for King Jehoshaphat. That's why I'm here. How many of you know that you and I have friendships and alignments that are not good? And because of those alignments and friendships, we've taken the wrong route. Call shortcuts. Is somebody listening to me? Now you're saying, Sam? All this is fine, but what is this that you said that the enemy is going to use the strategies? Hang on, I'm coming. Don't worry. And so Jehoshaphat listens to the prophet, and verse 19 is where we want to land. And this is what he says after he gives a solution for the water. He said, dig ditches and all of that. Tomorrow, it'll be all filled. You and your army and your cattle, all will be filled and refreshed. That is the immediate answer. But he gives a solution how to win the battle. That is what you call the strategy. Say strategy. Many of us know we are in a battle, but we also need to know specific strategy. Say specific strategy. And so this is the specific strategy he's saying. And he says, you will overthrow, verse 19, you will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You, that's number one. You will cut down every good tree. Number two, stop up all the springs, that is the wells, that's number three, and ruin every good field with stone. He gives four strategies how to beat the enemy. First, he says, you will overthrow every fortified city. Why? Because fortified cities are strongholds. Fortified cities are the ones that supply armaments. Uh, 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 how do you say that? Armaments? Armaments, yeah. That, uh, where they make all the bombs and all the uh, uh, battle stuff. That is that city. You have to overthrow that first. Well, that's easy. Let's do that first. So they do that. Then he says, cut down every fruit-bearing tree. Every fruit-bearing tree. And then he says, go and stop up every well, their life source. And then he says, put rocks onto the fields. Do you know that a rock in a field is a farmer's nightmare? Because when they bring the, their plow, it can get blunt or broken. He says, do that. These are simple, practical 
steps that he gives. Is somebody listening to me? If I had time, I would tell you why each one of them matter. Because the first one, fortified city, is to break down defenses. Second, every good tree that bears fruit is to take down the morale because that is which that they, are new, they get their nutrition, their, their nurturing of the goodness around them. Third, to, put, to fill up every well, to put a stop, the life-giving source. And finally, stones in their field, that which increases their economy. Are you with me? Now, and they did that, except they made one mistake. They didn't follow through. How many of you know that many Christians are good starters, but never finish? And so when they come to the end of this, you'll see they came to a fortified city called Kirhirasat. Now, Kirhirasat, I've actually been there. Um, and on Kirhirasat is this wall, and they lay a siege. Now, this siege was such an overwhelming siege. I wish I could describe to you, if you'd seen Lord of the Rings, there is what you call a siege. Do you remember that? Massive army. And the people inside, the scripture says their hearts melted like water. They were totally, completely stripped off of any possibilities of a win. They were, they, they heard this because around the wall were the watchmen, the watching all this. And so the king is desperate inside that. So he says, let's get the best of the best of the best of the best. And send 700 soldiers, they were what you call the commandos of today. I mean, they were, one soldier is good for 12 or 15 other soldiers. 700 of them, and they send them out to go into this, and they try to make a penetration into that siege. And they had an arrow presentation, the tip. They went right into it. And guess what happened? They got beat up so bad. And when they came back, when they came back, the whole group inside we're like, we're done. Everybody's going to die at the thought of the siege. Meanwhile, what these guys were doing, they were taking slings. You know, and they were having fun, you know, taking slingshots. And they'll hit the wall. Slings won't do it. Many Christians, when we know we're in a commanding position, we take slings. Now let's just tease the enemy. And the enemy doesn't even feel a, anything. But we think, you know, we've become in a, come to a place of pride. And many American churches are in that place. Because they have so much to show. They're 30,000 members. They got this. They, got, they don't need God in a sense. And now in the commanding position, they take the slingshot. And it's not doing anything. 
There are just only what you call, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like kind of mocking, kind of jeering the enemy just before they want to go for the kill. But these guys had no intention to go in for a kill. They were just there. So yeah, now you get it? That kind of a feel. At that time, the king there does something. He takes his son, who he was grooming to become the next king. We don't know what his age is, but theologians give us some, some idea. Maybe he was 15 or 17 years old. He takes him to the wall. Both sides. Wall outside here is siege. Wall this side is fear. Wall this side is hopelessness, despair. He takes him on the wall and he binds his legs and his hands and he says, son, I love you. You're going to be the king. But for the sake of the people. And they put a wood pier or pyre or whatever. And he puts his son alive. There was no mercy killing. Usually what they do with animals for burn sacrifice. They slit so that the, uh, the animal does not feel the flames. He didn't even do a mercy kill. The fire was going in front of both sides. They take the sun and put it on the, funeral, on, the, on the flame. Can you imagine the screams of the sun? Papa, daddy, please. Crying. That shrill, that scream silenced both sides. Where on the other side they were going, go, 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 go. And then this side they were saying, <laughs> it silenced both. And on this side, when they saw the son being sacrificed, that scripture says, a great wrath came into the hearts of the people. And it became so strong that they did not know the difference between fear and boldness. And the entire group came out with such anger and drove these people away. The siege. So what's my point? Ask me. I thought you would get it by now. Let me tell you. They got offended. By the siege. That they would touch someone dear to them. And here is Jesus. Who died on the cross and we are not offended. He died for that world. He died for you and me. 
and we don't even look at what the price and the cost that was involved in the cross or on the cross. Yeah, he died. He's such a cool God. Oh, grace. So grace. We have misapplied grace, people. It's time we got offended with the lies that is outside there. It's time we got up at a church and said, My Jesus died, and yet do I allow these things to happen around me? It's locked our mouths where we work. It's locked us out. Oh, it's politically incorrect to say things. Who said so? Jesus died for you and me. And we do nothing. But that's not even my point. The point here is those four things that God had spoken. Destroy their fortified city. Stop up their wells. Cut up all their good fruit bearing trees and throw stones in their field. That's exactly what the enemy is doing to you and me. And we are sitting and watching. Do you know, each one of us, I don't care when you came to Jesus. I got five minutes, 30 seconds. Do you know every one of us here who calls themselves Christian? God has given a value to you that is personal. That you in your mind would say, I would never compromise that. How many of you know that value that you've had? That you will not compromise when you began your journey with Jesus. But the enemy says, if I make you compromise, that very fortified city will now become a city that is desolate and abandoned. That's exactly how you and I will feel. When we have compromised a value, a principle, we will feel desolate, abandoned, and wonder where is God. Today we're going to make that right. Second, to tear down, cut up every fruit-bearing tree. Your, I don't know, what do you call your connect groups or, uh, sorry, small groups. Those small groups are like your fruit-bearing trees where you get your nourishment. If the enemy says, if I can cut off that fellowship, if I cut up those fellowships, several of you have suddenly taken the way of becoming isolated and want to be by yourself because you trust, your trust has been broken. And you're unwilling to come back into community. We must make that right today. Number three, to stop up every well. I don't know how many of you are going through a season of financial difficulty or dryness. 
It's not your fault, but you've been pushed to that place. Why? The enemy has plugged it. Today we are listening to prosperity gospel as a substitute to what God is saying. Don't you see the enemy has plugged it? Don't you see the enemy has put you back into a, um, into a credit hole that your debtor is in? You're a debtor, that the creditors are coming at your door. The finances, the life-giving source is stopped. However, there is another side to that life-giving source. I wonder how many of you use Sunday morning as your only source of life-giving. If you have substituted your own personal time with God, the well of life, the enemy knows how to stop that well and soon take you away from the church because this is your only source now. If the enemy knows that, he will bring all kinds of temptations. And one of the biggest temptations is comparison. Oh, I got it better in the other church. Oh, I can go somewhere else. Once you get to that kind of an addiction, you will never stay stable. Sorry, I'm being very honest. What, why did you even come to MBC? Because there was something here that God had for you. And the enemy knows, and he can stop that well. And you leave. Because there's no more life. What about the stone in the field? The very thing that you are good at, the enemy puts a stone so that he can demoralize you. Saying, am I good enough? Or oh, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. Is somebody listening to me? So today, I have 45 seconds. And I want to ask you this question. You're not answering to me. I believe God wants to encourage you and bring a restoration to the very strategy that the enemy has taken and thrown it back at you. If you want to reverse that today. If that's you. I don't care who you are. Or how long you've been walking with the Lord. It doesn't matter. If you want to reverse that. And that's all I'm asking. And bring you back to a, that restoration. Of the joy of the Lord. Then you stand up where you are. And I want to pray for you. Not that I have any magic. But I want to pray. Wherever you are. And this is not a blessing prayer if you want to stand. It's not blessing. It's a decision you're making. To reverse. What God has said. Many are standing. That means God is in love with you. That's why you're responding Pastor Glenn why don't you come
conceal this pastorally. Thank you, Sam. It's amazing how the enemy works and the things that he uses. Let's have the worship team come. The things that he uses to take us out. It's subtle. It makes sense. It's all of a sudden there and we find ourselves making decisions that are completely incongruent with who God's character is. It's inconsistent. And before we know it, we're there and we think, how do we get here? Well, there's a way out. Amen. That's the good news of the gospel is God always provides a way of escape. Amen. So let's do that. Let's just trust him right now. God, just lift your hands with me, would you please? Those of you that are here or perhaps watching our online service right there in your living room, bedroom, hotel room, campground, wherever that might be, right here in, in the auditorium. God, we just lay it down. We surrender to your grace and your love. And we say, God, the enemy has somehow had his way with me, and I repent, and I invite your presence to come and bring full restoration to my life. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Bring full restoration, God. Please. Bring full restoration. For those who have found themselves isolated and alone and hurting, God, that's never your will. That's the enemy. The enemy wants to divide and conquer. But God, you have built communities so that we can stay strong and accountable. And God, I just pray for full restoration for anyone who finds himself in that place today. God, we pray that our lives would turn away from the shortcuts of life and get back on the right path with you, God. Would you come now, Holy Spirit, and visit each person with an upon presence of the Holy Spirit and a fresh touch of God? To help us realize that this is not your will, this is not what you want. This is how the enemy has somehow blinded us and got us to the point where our, our fields are full of rocks Things are breaking down around us. Things aren't working like, God, you want them to because the enemy has had a strategy against our lives. And we've bought the lie. We've fallen into the trap that, God, there you are with arms wide open to rescue. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross so that we could live right and experience a right relationship with you. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because he who knew no sin became sin 
that we might be made the righteousness of God. Fill us with your presence today, oh God, I pray. In Jesus' name. Let's just take a, a couple of minutes here with our hearts wide open and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
filled, filled, not empty. Victorious Metro Believers Church. The Father says, I have created you to be champions, warriors. The DNA of this church is not to maintain, it's to expand. It's to expand and I speak that out in the spirit and expansion, expansion. That's the kind of people God has made you to rise up, to conquer and not sit back and not sit back. You have an anointing to conquer in the city, to take new ground, to take new places. You can because there is an anointing and a covering over you from above. It's the call of God. Do not forget your call. Do not forget your call, pastoral staff. Do not forget your call. Why you are called. He called you, not Glenn and Vicky. He has called you. Stay, 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 stay. The assignment, the work is not yet over. Stay, push through, push through, push through, push through your marriage, push through your giving, push through, push through the mountains with the power of the Holy Spirit. Never let them be the same again. I ask that you would encounter them even as they go home. Encounter, encounter places that they have left, things that have been dormant, gifts that have been dormant. Encounter them. Let the word of the Lord go through their bones and their inner man. Let the breath of the living God blow over valleys of dry bones. Dry bones. Breath of God. Breath of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jennifer. Wow, what a word. Amen. Amen. What a word. Full of life. Full of power has the ability to change, amen? Change our lives, transform things around us. Amen? Let's walk in it. God, thank you so much for our time together. May we never be the same. May we never be the same. May this ring in our hearts as we leave and go home and throughout our day and our weekend. May we never be the same. Help us to step in to what you are doing, to step in to what you're saying, to step out of the enemy's footholds and strongholds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Just say, God, we love you so much. Hey, next Sunday, right back here, invite a friend. God bless you.